And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Andy. I hope you're having a great start to your week, but I kind of want to give you a little homework before we start this week. But don't worry, this is the fun kind of homework, and you don't actually have to do it. But it might help your enjoyment of the podcast as the week goes on. So, Today, we're talking to Max Olson, the Portal Authority from The Athletic. We're going to talk about all the new faces and new places in college football this year. The homework comes in starting with Tuesday's episode. So if you get some time, watch the first Alabama-Georgia national title game, the second and 26th game. Watch it again on YouTube if you get a chance, because we're doing a rewatch party for some classic games this week, and that'll be the first one. It's running on Tuesday. Me, our Alabama beat writer Aaron Suttles, our Georgia beat writer Seth Emerson, we're going to talk about a crazy game that in hindsight looks even crazier and just one of the wildest finishes you will ever see in a, in a college football game. On Wednesday, we're talking 2015 Michigan State, Ohio State, which I consider the most shocking result of the past decade. And if you go to rewatch this game, and the only existing copy on YouTube right now is a one-hour condensed version, but you won't feel like you miss much when you watch it. But just look at the roster on Ohio State, and you will just go, how in the hell did this happen? Well, I got Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, who are at the game, to explain just how the hell that happened. And we go through the whole game, and it is a blast. And then, on Friday... 2006 season, or sorry, 2005 season, 2006, January, Pasadena, California, USC, Texas, in the Rose Bowl, maybe the biggest national championship game ever, an incredibly exciting game, went right down to the finish, Stuart Mandel and I were both at the game, we rewatched it, and then we discussed it, Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Mac Brown, Pete Carroll. We relive it all. So if you get a chance, give those games a watch. It's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun just reliving that. And there were so many things I forgot. But obviously, you guys are all big college football fans. You've seen the games. If you don't get a chance to watch them, still listen to the podcast. You're going to have a great trip down memory lane. If you have half as much fun listening to it as I did recording it, you're going to have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. We haven't had the Portal Authority Max Olson on in a while. And, you know, since that May 1st deadline for, for folks to enter the portal, everything sort of calmed down. Now, every once in a while, you'll see a guy come out of the portal and, and decide they're going to play for somebody. But it looks like the rosters are fairly set. So, Max, I think it's time we start talking about what this means for the various teams that have gotten these players because it feels like we kind of net. We don't know exactly what they're going to look like, but at least we know what the roster and the two deep might look like. I think so. Like, I think if you're like Phil Steele, you're relieved that it's like finally over, yes. right? Uh, <laughs> like, he's, he's gone to press. So whatever happens it's now, too late. Yeah, there's nothing for, you can for do. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the last kind of big one was Charlie Jones going from um, Iowa. It looks like he's going to Purdue. Um, that was that was kind of past the deadline and. I mean, I guess Jordan Addison was a big deal. We could talk about that one if, yeah, kind of, if you find that bit. one interesting, I suppose. Well, you know. A little, little bit. Yeah. Well, I, and that's that's the thing. You know, we, we talk about the, the biggest kind of prizes in the transfer portal. And then we can also talk about the teams that are most transformed because in For a sure. lot of cases, there will be overlap. But in some cases, it's not, it, it's not the same thing. It's just somebody filled needs. We also probably need to talk about the teams that, that are most adversely affected and you know, Arizona State comes to mind. Uh, and we we talked to Doug Haller about that a couple months ago. But, you know, different- <laughs> I, t- I talked to Brent Venables today for the, the state of the program on Oklahoma. 
And I we talked about the roster, and he 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 pointed out, and not making excuses or anything. He just pointed out we lost a lot, lost, <laughs> but picked lost up a lot. lot. Yeah, like they you did. actually have nose tackles now. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you look. That's you how some of these coaches little, are feeling right little. now. We did pretty good. Lost a lot too. Yeah, yeah. You also got a quarterback who can play. So yeah, uh, yeah. which. You weren't sure if that was going to happen. Well, I guess I guess they were fairly sure. Although Dylan Gabriel was going to go to UCLA first, so that and that's the that's the craziest thing. Like I have almost forgotten the Dylan Gabriel at UCLA era that that didn't actually happen. <laughs> that was the same day that Caleb Williams announced he was going to the portal. That that happened like hours later. Dylan Gabriel was going to Oklahoma to take his spot. I mean, what a what a cycle this was. I mean, really, like you know the the numbers, like the overall, like it, it turned out sort of how I expected a few months ago when you, you looked at it and you saw the pace it was on and you said, it looks like we're heading towards 2000 scholarship players at the college football level at the FBS level going in the portal and 3000 total, if you're including walk-ons and that's right. where we ended up, you know, and then you can, wow. depending on how you calculate that. I mean, that's, I don't know about a sixth of all players, a fifth. I mean, you know, it depends on kind of where that number ends up here um, by August, but and, you know, it's not totally over, but uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, like the the quantity of it's kind of crazy, but also with this cycle, um, just the quality and just the the number of like players that uh, that are, have a chance to like be program changers and season changers and all that. Um, it's there's a lot lot to cover here. Well, I guess we could start out west because there's a Bolitnikov winner who transferred, and there's also a former number one overall recruit who. Wound up winning his starting job as a freshman who also transferred. So that would be Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams, obviously. They are at USC. Lincoln Riley gets a running start thanks to the transfer portal. How different is USC? Because if you think about last year, it was Keaton Slovis as the starting quarterback, and, and then Jackson Dart comes in and dispel him a little bit. They're at different schools now. And then it, it feels like the skill talent has flipped almost entirely. <laughs> for sure. I, and I, I probably made this joke on the podcast before, but like you just watched their spring game and it was just transfers all over the field, making, you know, making plays on both sides. And, um, you know, I think they are at 20 or over 20 now in terms of players they've picked up uh, from the transfer portal. And, you know, in, in some cases that's trying to solve depth and stuff like that. But in, in a lot of cases, uh, especially with the mid-year guys they brought in, um, USC – they didn't waste any time. They didn't waste any time saying, you know, maybe we can, uh, maybe this this roster will look pretty good in twenty three. No, they they went after it right away, and especially within their conference. And I think that's I think that part of it is is so interesting that like to go take, you know, Travis Dye from Oregon, right? To that's take, that's an interesting one because that's a guy who's leaving a team that should be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, t t they took um, you know a couple of receivers, Terrell Bynum from Washington, Brandon Rice from Colorado. They took Mackay Blackman from Colorado. They took Eric Gentry was a big one that that kind of can can slip under the radar a little bit, but really one of the best young players in the Pac-12 at Arizona State. The linebacker um, who is an interesting athlete at like you know six six two hundred or whatever. I'm interested to see how Alex Grinch uses him there. But um, they took some really good players from within their within their own conference, which I'm sure not everybody loved. No, I, I'm sure they didn't. But I mean, this is sort of how it, how it goes now. And then Austin and, Jones from Stanford as well. I mean, exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, that, this is why the SEC made that rule that after February 1st, you you can't transfer within conference and play right away because they yep. they were worried about that that kind of hopping back and forth. But you know, it, it, this is kind of what you expected from Lincoln Riley to come in, flip the roster. Obviously, he is expected to succeed immediately. And so the pressure's on immediately. And it's not just get better from the, you know, the mess of a team that was coached by an interim for most of the season. It is now immediately compete for the Pac-12 title. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, there's definitely, I, and Lincoln Riley's talked about this before, like there's a unique challenge to that too, where you are also like trying to set your culture as quickly as possible. And I know there's like, like look, let's be straight up. There's some programs out here they aren't so concerned about culture when it comes to the portal. They're just trying to get no. talent. They're just trying to get better. They're just trying to solve a need and they don't really care why the kids in the portal or, or what issues they might bring to the table. Um, they're just trying to get better. Um, but this, this is like, you know, Lincoln Riley bringing in, you know, certainly Caleb Williams is a younger guy, um, but one who'll be a tone setter for their program. But like you're bringing in a lot of, 
you know, mercenaries here in year one who you hope kind of help set the right tone and and really raise the competition level uh, for the the players that stayed at USC. Um, and, and obviously they had a lot of attrition, so you had to replace guys. But um, I'm, I'm just I'm really interested to see sort of how that group gets integrated into the in the returning roster and sort of like how many of these guys actually go out and win starting jobs because it's probably going to be a ton of them. Well, and that's the interesting thing about these these rosters that have almost completely flipped using transfers. And and we saw that with Michigan State last year where it worked very well. Now, there were some guys who had played for Mel Tucker the year before who did win starting jobs. And, and so it wasn't all transfers, but it was about half transfers that were in the starting lineup, essentially, on both sides of the ball. It worked. There will be times when it doesn't work. And I'm not saying that at USC it won't work, but we've heard Lane Kiffin say it this offseason because he's done the same thing at Ole Miss where he's tried to transform the roster. And he's saying, look, I have no idea if culturally all these players will fit. Yeah. It is a crapshoot. Yeah. It is. And and it, it's interesting. Like, And, and also these coaches are always kind of like looking for – the way to, um, you know, zag when everyone's zigging or whatever that saying is. Um, like I was talking to Sonny Dykes uh, when I visited TCU recently, and that's a program. What they did at SMU, they, they were ahead of the game, even before the mm-hmm. actual transfer portal was established, that they, you know, they were doing a great job of bringing in uh, transfers that they wanted to come back home and, and loading up and getting a lot better that way. And, and his feeling was he'd rather get to a point you know, where he's taken five transfers instead of 15. And that it's just kind of the home run guys that the, you know, the proven like Shane Bouchelle types that, you know, what you're getting um, that, you know, are, are the, the veteran experienced player. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see sort of how every sort of staff, you know, everyone's got different circumstances, but um, there, there will definitely be some programs that are all in on this every year. And for better and for worse, right? I mean, it just it doesn't mean like, and, and we may see a bunch of examples this year where it really pays off, and and there's even more encouragement that we should keep doing this. Uh, but I, I think you have to point out too, Andy. There's there's some programs right now that are taking a lot of guys in the portal because they're just trying to save their jobs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and what's interesting about it is if you're taking guys in the portal, you're talking mostly about skill guys, DBs, linebackers. The, the linemen are not that plentiful there. Uh, if you go, uh, it's interesting. I'm going through the list, and, and you had the 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 list that you kept running throughout the the spring, where you tracked all the the transfer players. And I look at the offensive linemen, and you got like you know Olu Oluatimi could be one of the more impactful yeah. offensive line transfers, where he goes from Virginia to Michigan. Michigan had a need there. He's a veteran who you know understands what needs you know needs to be done to play in a, in a high level conference so that me, feels let like me a tell you how fit. good he is andy he uh, olu said he had an offer from clemson wow <laughs> so that's pretty you're pretty top of the list if clemson's actually willing to offer you as a transfer yeah and because they they don't offer many as a transfer they took hunter johnson back but yeah yeah but that may be more as a future coach. no i agree he's 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 has, has a chance to make a huge impact there for sure yeah, and and then Amarius Mims was a was a highly recruited guy at Georgia who went to the portal, but he ultimately decided to stay at Georgia. You know, I, they they kind of were like, hey, you know, the reason you're not playing here is because you got to beat these guys out. So just come back and beat and these you've guys. You've only been out. here a year. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes a guy just looks at the depth chart and says, well, how when am I going to get on the field? And it's like you've been here a year. Like you yeah. know, yeah, you got like, some pretty good like, guys. Osiris Torrance goes to Florida. He's probably going to play. Yeah. Now, he played in Billy Napier's offense at, at Louisiana Lafayette last year, so that makes sense. But but it's really not a lot. And then very few interior defensive linemen. Uh, Akeem Mesador going from, from West Virginia to Miami. Makai yeah. um, Wingo going from Missouri to LSU. And then, and then on the edge, uh, O'Shawn Mathis, TCU to Nebraska, might be one of the more impactful defensive transfers we see. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge one for Nebraska. They were they were really searching to try and find that edge player, um, and I'm interested to see. You know, he's a player that you know didn't didn't play at TCU this spring, um, worked out and all that. But you know, how do you make that transition from you know being a pass rusher in the Big Twelve to being you know Big Ten defensive end? I'm I'm excited to see sort of how Eric Chinander uses him in their defense. But that was, that was a huge one for Nebraska um, and a guy that that TCU certainly. Wanted to hold on to, and um, you know, I, I, you're, I think your point is definitely right, though, and I think we've seen this really over the last few years. Um, th- those big fellows, you know, when, especially the grad transfer ones, 
they you tend to pick up a lot of offers because oh, everyone's yeah. looking for another offensive lineman. Everyone's looking for another edge player. Um, you know, I, I think there's still if you've got like decent enough experience, you're going to have lots of opportunities generally in terms of moving up uh, to play at the power five level or, 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 or stay at the power five level. So um, yeah, the fight for those guys. And, and that's often those positions too, where it's like when a lot of times when they go in the portal, um, it's probably too late. You know, it's probably, yeah. if you see that yeah, guy, you, you kind of know where they're going. If, yeah. if you see that guy pop up uh, as a staff and you think we should give him a call and he's not taking your call, he probably already knows where he's going. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk quarterbacks because that's obviously the sexiest position. It's the one where you can change your fortunes the yep. quickest. Caleb Williams reuniting with Lincoln Riley. We, we, we expected that. I, I It's weird because it feels like one of the least interesting ones to talk about because we know what it looks like. We already saw it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, why, why waste our time on, you know, that potential Heisman, uh, you know, finalist? <laughs> exactly. <here. laughs> that's the thing. Like, and, and he had, it, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, he he had. There were moments where he flashed, like the the second half of the Texas game, obviously. But yeah. then there were times when he did things that were like, "Oh, he's okay. He's definitely as a freshman who has not, you know, did not play f- high school football in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. So, but but I feel like staying in the same offense with the same coach, he does that. He doesn't lose anything there. Like he's not going to take a step back. I, he, he probably keeps evolving. And given what he showed on the good side, that bodes very well for USC. I, I think so. And, and even in, you know, like, like his last, um, you know, his last few games in Oklahoma, like Baylor was a tough one, you know, yeah. Bedlam made a ton of big plays and, and really played beyond his age and all that. Um, and then you saw, uh, you know, certainly against Oregon in their bowl game, just the, the, the upside of, you know, they, obviously they changed things up a little bit there offensively, but um, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited to see kind of what that ne- next step looks like for him. And if we're talking about, you know, this, this summer will rank like the most impactful transfers of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think you, you can make a case for a couple other guys, I suppose. But like if you just look at the impact of the number of guys that are now going to USC because they want to play with Caleb Williams, not just transfers, but recruits. And and you start with Jordan Addison, obviously. But um, is is there a more impactful guy than him, Andy, in terms of like people saying, okay, that's the place to go? No, I, I think he's the kind of bell cow guy. Yeah. And once he goes there, you have other people lining up wanting to go there. Uh, you know, I think I think there there are guys that are make huge impacts like Jameer Gibbs going from Georgia Tech to Alabama, the running back. Like I, I can see them plugging him in and playing, you know, doing a lot of things with him right away. But, you know, in terms of just they were going to be good anyway. They were going to have good backs anyway. Yeah. This is like Cameron Ward going from Incarnate Word to Washington State, following his his coach from Incarnate Word, who is now Washington State's offensive coordinator. Like that feels Similar to to Zach Kitley bringing Bailey Zappi from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky, except now they're they're moving to the Power Five level. Yeah, and he's you know he's a little younger, so he's got more time to develop. I mean, but he's um, he's played two he played two unbelievable seasons at, at Incarnate Word um, in the uh, in the spring and fall, um, and you know that that's just a player that man when he really when he really put it together there like just put up monster numbers in, in really just 19 games and I and I'm, I'm excited for um college football fans to just find out about this guy and get to watch him I mean I I can't imagine there are that many people that actually 
you know, log on to ESPN Plus or whatever and, right. and watch, you know, FCS games and, and catch this guy that's uh, putting up crazy numbers. Uh, College football I, coaches just found out about this guy because he barely got to throw in high school. That's right. Yeah, he was he was not a big big time recruit by any means, and, and even in the state of Texas, where um, there's certainly lots of schools that that should notice you. Um, so they were able to get him in Incarnate Word, and uh, quite a steal. I mean, just a, a heck of an athlete. And you know, look, some they're they're always going to butter you up in recruiting and stuff. But this was a guy that Lane Kiffin made a priority um, mm-hmm. this offseason when he was recruiting quarterbacks when he was recruiting. Dylan Gabriel and him and Jackson Dart ultimately getting right. Dart, but he told Cameron Ward like that he felt like he had the tools to be a first rounder. Now, well, can he take the you know those steps? And that may be BS. They may be just trying to get the guy to come to Oxford, right? But um, can he take those steps at this level um, in the Pac-12 and um, you know really put it all together? I can't wait to see. I I, I think they're going to have good enough pieces around him to have a pretty exciting offense. And I told you this the other day, Andy. I, I think this is the like Pac-12 after dark team. Oh yeah, that, uh, it's gonna be you, so much you're fun trying to watch to catch them. That like, and if you like, you know, this is that one of those teams that like I got to figure out a way to have Pac-12 network just to watch these guys. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun <laughs> to watch them, and that that offense is because he knows that offense, and and that's that's part of this where they follow a coach or, and he's not. I mean, he's not necessarily following a coach because he had lots of other options, but uh, you know, we're like Dylan Gabriel reuniting with Jeff Levy. Yeah. There's a familiarity there where there's not as big of a learning curve where they just come in like the teammates have to learn them, but they the quarterback already knows the offense and that that helps a lot. Now let's let, you mentioned Lane Kiffin and Jackson Dart uh, coming from USC and Lane Kiffin did you know looked looked around at several different quarterbacks. Obviously he lost his offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby to Oklahoma. Uh, he hires Charlie Weiss Jr. from USF. Jackson Dart comes in. He's going to compete with Luke Altmyer. But they've also got another transfer, Zach Evans, the running back from TCU. Like, I don't know if Jackson Dart beats out Altmyer, but I'm guessing Zach Evans is a massive, massive part of their offense next year. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's pretty good. Um, and I and I'm excited to see what he can do with um, you know, I, I think as we saw, you you remember um with uh Lane Kiffin in his first year in, in Oxford, I mean, when he decided Elijah Moore is their best guy. Elijah Moore was getting the ball as much as humanly possible. And, and I think that's, I'm really excited to see kind of how, how lane takes, I mean, they've added so many weapons on offense through the portal this year. They, they added uh, Zach Evans, who I really think before he got banged up last year, um, you know, really was starting to play to the five-star potential and look like one of the most kind of talented, um, you know, just all around backs in in the country. Um, But they also brought in Ulysses Bentley from SMU, who's a really good player. They brought in a bunch of guys at receiver. I think Jalen Robinson from UCF, who, who's yeah, he's a, kind of a slot guy. They've got yeah. a tight end who uh, Michael you Trigg. Kenny, People need to know that name for sure. Yeah, you, he, he came from USC also. And remember Kenny Yoboa showing up in Kiffin's yeah. first year and was a big target early on in that year in that offense. And and Trigg might might be able to be the same thing. Yeah, and he's he's young too. He's he's just coming off his freshman year at USC. But that is a a uh, really talented dude who can also play basketball there who he's he's um I'm I'm excited to see sort of that piece to their offense but that they they've just added so much firepower and then they've added I think some you know they also added uh you know a, a starting offensive line from Western Kentucky who I, I think they've been pretty pleased by they've added some good pieces on on defense with Troy Brown from Central Michigan from Ashim Young uh at Iowa State um, you know, I, I, they, they, you know, Portal King ha- had a hell of an off season and, you know, yeah. does it all click in that this first season with, with a lot of these guys, in some cases you took some younger guys that you have a little more time with, but, um, I, I think all this is going to be when, when they kind of figure out what they want to be with these guys, like, I think it's going to be pretty darn fun. So is there, is there a matchup that is more, Hey, welcome to the new world. This is this is what you're living in now. Then that season opener backyard brawl, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. Former USC quarterback Keaton Slovis, yeah, who once took the job of JT Daniels after JT Daniels got hurt. Wally Pippen. and JT Daniels starting for West Virginia after a pit stop at Georgia. Yeah, I mean he's got a ring, so it, it wasn't that bad of a, a time no, in Georgia nice. for sure. Um, I think I wanted to ask you about this. There's this group. There's a there's a big group of these. 
you know, wild card quarterbacks and in, in, from the transfer portal that, that go into this season. Like, I'm, I'm curious, I, I can read some off to you. I, I'm wondering like sort of who you'd bet on as being the guy that has the best season. But JT Daniels is so interesting just because I, I haven't forgot what he was um, at the end of, of 2020. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, well, well yeah, 2020 tw- for Georgia, but 2018, yeah. eight, 2018 at USC was pretty yeah. darn good. So he was, he showed a lot of upside there, but then, you know, the way that Georgia finished in 20, I mean, to, to, I, I think, did they not win every game he started? They did. And you know, it, a lot of it opened was up against, the offense. Yeah. The competition wasn't that great at the end of the season for them, but it looked Cincinnati's good. pretty good though. That's true. That's true. And that is the reason he started the season opener against Clemson. Right. And then he has the rib cage injury and all of a sudden, you know, it's back to the mailman. But he's he's one that I'm really intrigued by. There's a few other ones. I I think Max Johnson has a chance to be the guy at Texas A&M. Okay. You know, the, the yep. Haynes King is back from injury. He was supposed to be the starter last year. He gets hurt in the Colorado game. Zach Calzada comes in and, and plays the rest of the season. But we don't know who's going to win that job. But Max Johnson winds up going to Texas A&M basically because his brother Jake decides to go there as a freshman tight end. Mm-hmm. And... How weird is it? The last we saw of Max Johnson was him throwing a pass to beat Texas A and M for LSU. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and and then you know they they get to see Calzada again because he's going to Auburn. He's he's got to win a tough battle. Now he may not job, play but, because there's right. yet another SEC transfer there. <laughs> Finley, TJ Finley, who started and Robbie the, Ashford the, from Oregon. Yeah, the I mean they loaded up <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Speaking yeah, um, of, of Oregon and Auburn. I What's feel that? like this, this. I feel like we've almost forgotten this. Bo Nix is at Oregon now. I, I was gonna say. I mean, if we, you know, which of these? So Bo Nix at Oregon, which is like again, like I, I feel like things have been like so busy this offseason that a lot of these we just like really haven't talked about that much. So Bo Nix is at Oregon now. You got Jaden Daniels at LSU. Oh, I, I got one for you. Go ahead. I got one for you that I think that I think could could be a really interesting because I thought this guy was good before he got banged up last year. Okay. Connor Basilak was it Missouri. Yeah. Now at Indiana. Now at Indiana. Um, I, you know, I thought that was a good pickup for them and, and they lost Michael Penix to Washington. Another guy that you're kind of interested mm-hmm. can, can a clean slate for him. Yeah, and he can he just stay healthy, healthy for a season. Yeah. I, I, I feel so bad for him because, and I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think anybody in Indiana begrudged him leaving because it almost felt like he needed a clean slate after three season-ending injuries in a row. If right. he could just stay healthy, because he's so exciting to watch when he's healthy, for sure. But you've got those. You've got those guys. You've got. Um, you, you mentioned Keaton Slovis at Pitt. You got Jaden Delora at Arizona, kind of out for <laughs> yeah. revenge here after he after you know Washington State brings in uh, Cameron Ward. I mean, you got Adrian Martinez at Kansas State now, and we're going to find out. You know sort of what can he do and maybe does a change of scenery kind of bring out a different version of him? I mean, Casey the, the Thompson in Nebraska to replace Casey Adrian Thompson Martinez? Nebraska. Casey Thompson, like basically being tasked with, um, you know, helping save this staff and, have, pull, you know, pull off a winning season after a pretty up and down year at Texas. I mean, I think it, so which of those guys are, do you say like, you know, it, like if you're placing the future bet today, like who's, Who's the guy you're feeling like, yeah, I think this is the right fit. He's going to put up big numbers. Well, uh, Bo Nix kind of is too long of a list. Because he's got to win the job. Yeah. See, a few of these guys have to win the job. Bo Nix has to win the job. For sure. Uh, Max Johnson would have to win the job. You know, uh, there's a few of them that, that we we just don't know. Zach Calzada would have to win the job. It doesn't look like he's in, in a front runner for it. But Basilak, I think could help them rebound from a really, really bad year yep. at Indiana last year. I think, and, and, and he was, he was a, a very effective quarterback at Missouri at the end of 2020. He got very banged up last year and it just kind of fell apart on them. And I, I remember him, you know, he was trying, he's playing a little bit in the Florida game, but he, he just couldn't move around very much. And when he can, he's a big guy who yep. can move a little bit and has a big arm. I think that's a good pick. I mean, you, you can just you can kind of talk yourself into a bunch of these, especially because 
Um, in, in some of these cases, these are guys kind of re- reuniting with maybe a coach they played with before, you know, or maybe they kind of have some some comfort in terms of the system they're going into. But like you mentioned, JT Daniels, like, I, you know, I, I think they believe he's a guy that can raise the ceiling of what they could be this year. And I think it's a pretty important year for um, West Virginia. But like it, it, some of these guys are just sort of wondering, like, OK, can they? You yeah. know, it's like it's hypothetical until they can play 12 games healthy. You know, can they re- yeah. can they get through the year? Well, uh, Gary Bohannon's another one yeah. that I think could be very interesting at USF because he would be at Baylor if Dave Aranda wasn't the coach at Baylor. And I'm not saying that in a, in a way to denigrate Dave Aranda. I'm saying it as Dave Aranda is the type of human being who will not drag out a quarterback competition just to keep a guy on the roster. He want he they picked Blake Shapin. To be the starter, which understandable, Blake Shapin was the the player of the game in the in the Big Twelve Championship game last year when he was replacing an injured Bohannon. Uh, he had outplayed Bohannon in the spring, so they decided he's the starting quarterback. And Bohannon goes to USF, where nobody watched USF at the end of last year, but they were playing a lot better. the The, the record didn't quite indicate it, but they were in games, like nearly yep. beat US, uh, nearly beat UCF. Um, down the stretch, they were much better. That might be what they needed. That might be the thing that tips them over the top in in Jeff Scott's third year. Yeah, I'm I'm I totally agree, and and I think that's a case where um, sometimes you can. I think a lot of people thought he was maybe going to go to Missouri um, or or somewhere else, but um, an impressive job by Jeff Scott and his staff to convince him that you know that was kind of the right fit and a chance for him to really shine. And you know, I think he's a, a player that um, you know, I, I if he if he sort of plays out the whole season, doesn't get banged up a little bit towards the end of it. Like I think he probably could have been the first team, all big 12 quarterback last year. Yeah. Oh, here's an interesting one. How about Noah Kane at LSU? Not yeah. a quarterback, a running yeah. back, but LSU's not had really a star running back since Clyde Edwards, Alaire finished in 2019. And that's a program that always had backs kind of stacked to the ceiling, but maybe Noah Kane in a fresh start in a new place, Maybe that's uh, you know a spot where he can he can put up some big numbers. I think so, um, and and I think a lot of times when you're sort of trying to choose between these guys, like you know, it, it is very tempting to go with the guy like Noah Kane, who was who was a really big time recruit coming out of IMG, and a guy that you know I think you got a little bit of health issues and concerns there and stuff, but uh, you, you bring him into that running back room and there's going to be a lot of competition there in terms of who plays. But um, I, I think that was a good bet by them to give him a shot. And, you know, LSU is one of those that is, I mean, it's really this, the, uh, in a lot of cases, there's some staffs I think that really did a great job. I, I would, I would really highlight like Ole Miss, South Carolina, Arkansas, some of those schools that I think really may, took some really, smart, smart, uh, evals and, and decisions in terms of who they took, but man, these first year staffs. And I think LSU is the one that I find really interesting in terms of the, the, a lot of them are just like, we got to load up <laughs> and LSU was oh, yeah. one that, you know, certainly LSU's roster numbers have been down the last couple of years, but, um, LSU took uh, a lot of players, a lot of them kind of guys that were coming back closer to home, but, um, LSU took some studs from this portal cl- portal cycle. And uh, I think they're going to hit on a bunch of, them. we'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So we've gone almost a half hour. We've not even mentioned Spencer Rattler yet. Oh, yeah. Spencer Rattler, who was preseason Heisman favorite, 
preseason. Would you put him in like the wild card list, or do you feel like he's kind of a a tier above that in terms of you feeling like you know what he's going to do this year? No, I put him in the wild card list. I have no idea what he's going to do in the SEC. Now, he looked really good at the end of 2020, but there were there was a reason he lost his job to Caleb Williams. And, you know, it that Oklahoma team was good, but it wasn't great. And so I don't know. I don't know if he winds up being everything we thought he was going to be. And, and obviously he's going to have to do it against very good competition with not the best like when you when you're at Oklahoma in the Big 12 you have the best of everything around you yeah at South Carolina in the SEC you don't you know there are there are teams you're going to play that have a lot like when you play Georgia their players are a lot better than your players so you got to deal with that but you know Austin Stogner the tight end get a lot of credit to him telling Shane Beamer hey my former Oklahoma teammate might want to come too. Remember that guy? That- you know that guy. We should give <laughs> yeah. him a call. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they did a good job. I, I really like South Carolina's portal class. I think they're taking the right kind of guys. Um, and I think at receiver too, they, I think they're going to, uh, they got good help for um, Spencer Rattler and, and bringing in um, Antoine Wells from James Madison and Corey Rucker from Arkansas state, two guys who are kind of making that jump up, but um, really productive, really talented players. And so, um, I, how that offense kind of all fits together for Marcus Satterfield, I think is, is going to be kind of one of the more interesting teams to watch this year. Cause certainly I think people look at it at South Carolina last year in terms of, Oh wait, and we kind of had a low bar of expectations here and they really cleared it. And now that when you bring in these kind of players, like I think that people are obviously super excited about where this program is going under Shane Beamer. And, um, I, I think that's one of those programs as, as much as the attention goes to SC and, and to Ole Miss and stuff like I think when, you know, as you saw with Florida State last year, Andy, like when, when you can hit on these guys and you can kind of prove that we can evaluate them right and develop them right, um, you're going to have a chance to recruit a lot more of them and, and maybe a, a slightly better transfer here going forward for Shane Beamer. Well, you mentioned Florida State. Jermaine Johnson is the reason they got Jared Verse. Jared Verse sure. from Albany, you've probably, you know, you, dear listener, may have never heard of him, but he was one of the best FCS players in the country last year. And when he went looking, he basically said, I, I want to do what Jermaine Johnson did and turn myself into a first rounder. Yeah, Jared Verse is a guy that um, and he, he he was a big like he was at the top of the list for us at the start of when we started tracking the best available players in the portal. Um, this was a guy at Albany who had a, had a great year, but he when he was in the portal, like he didn't maybe totally know how good he even he was. Like he went and took visits to like uh, Syracuse and Houston. And, and like, I'm not sure he realized that like, you're going to be like one of the guys yeah. that's like at the top of the board for everybody. Yeah, you're and an so, edge rusher who can play <laughs> like, for sure. The, the people yeah. like you. Yeah. People like the measurables on that. Um, and so he's now he, Jermaine Johnson, kind of more of a finished product at Georgia. Like you, you're bringing him in as a guy that it's a one year thing that a guy that played his way into being a first rounder, obviously, but um, you know, I, I think so. Jared Verse, he, he's got a, a few more years. He's got a little bit more time. It doesn't have to hit for him right away. Uh, but man, that's the kind of player that like you you need at, at Florida State to try and uh, get this thing rolling. And um, you know, I, I, once again, I think that that they they were they took a big portal class going into twenty one. They took a, a, a I think a pretty solid one this year. Um, and I and I think that has to expedite what's going on. Well, they they needed to upgrade their roster badly. Yeah. that's that's one of those that had to flip. You, you look at. You look at a team that had to flip, and and USC was the same kind of team. Ole Miss this year, because of all the the veteran talent they lost, had to do the same thing. LSU, you mentioned their numbers were down. They had no choice but to take a lot. Uh, Andy, you know who didn't have to flip their roster this offseason, in my my opinion? My my respectful opinion. I didn't feel like Alabama had to flip their roster at all, and they just decided to go out and get five guys that – Debatably, debatable whether they even needed them, but they're just like, yes. you know what? We got some let's needs, and we'll we'll never we're never going to go into a season and not you know not solve them. So let's go get you know one of the best running backs in the country. Let's go back, go get one of the best corners in the country, Eli Ricks from LSU. Yep. Uh, they brought in Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt, who I think has a chance to be a really nice piece for their offensive line, but they don't even oh, really like need play, him yeah. to start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he'll play a lot, but like they they. Um, you know, and then they they took Jermaine Burton, I think, who's a guy that has a chance to to really blow up there. Um, you know, in, interested. I'm sure Georgia fans are fascinated to see like what what the difference is going to be with him in Alabama. But um, I kind of you know. I, I kind of feel that's a better for both parties situation. Yeah, because I think I, I really do feel like Brock Bowers is going to be the 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 
centerpiece of Georgia's passing game, even though he's a tight end. Yeah. And and then we don't know what, how Eric Gilbert will wind up being used, but it, it might have been that Jermaine Burton wasn't going to get as many touches at Georgia this year, but Alabama needs somebody like that who who could and and you notice, you know, Alabama loses two great receivers in Jameson Williams and, and John Mechie. And then parts ways with Ajayi Hall and Jaleel yep. Billingsley. And I don't think Nick Saban was shedding tears over those guys no. leaving and going to Texas. No, he wasn't. And, and then he replaced them with Jermaine Burton and, and with uh, Tyler Harrell from uh, Louisville, who is a guy that hasn't like, you know, he's not been like a thousand yard receiver for Louisville, but the measurables just, in, I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the country. And so, right. uh, so the to, to replace Jamo with him, yep. yeah, I think is, uh, is pretty intriguing and, um, I know that was a very frustrating one to Louisville folks, but um, you know, that that's, that's what Nick Saban's going to keep doing. Like you can just, we will we can take five a year and those five are going to be pretty damn good. Well, and that's, you mentioned that Dabo did try yeah, at, at least, you know, a with, couple of with guys, one player with a yeah. few players, but that didn't necessarily work out for them. I, I figured Clemson would be spot recruiting a little bit more uh, in the portal, they they really didn't as much as some of the their brethren in in that echelon did, but Georgia didn't really do it as much this year either. Georgia they did, did it more. Georgia last didn't year. take anyone from the portal. They, yeah, which means like that's to scare the crap out of you if you're the rest of the SEC. Like the, <laughs> Kirby's Kirby looking at his, his board roster. And he, yeah, yeah, he's he's looking at the the depth chart. None of these are better than what I've already got. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty. Uh, I I'm, I think they threw out some offers to a couple guys, but they didn't. They certainly weren't out here missing on a bunch of players. But by any means, I think Georgia is pretty pretty happy with what they got and pretty happy with. Um, I think at this point, they, there's a little bit of proof of concept that the the caliber of high school athlete they can get at Georgia is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. But you know, like Alabama, I think probably has the best team coming back this year, and they had yeah. no problem going out and filling some needs. But but I think it does tell you that Kirby Smart doesn't think he has that many needs. And I agree. I th- yeah, I think that's that's very interesting. But, you know, you look at, at some of these other leagues where we think Oklahoma could be one of the best teams in the Big 12. Oklahoma is a basically new team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brent Venables brought a lot of things with him from Clemson. Uh, a no transfers policy was was not one of them. It's <laughs> not of one of approach them. To the job. Um, and, and I think that they, you know, that's a that they took. They took a bunch of guys, and in in a lot of cases, you know, Dylan Gabriel's the headliner there. But um, you know, I think that they have helped solve their needs a lot. I think Jeffrey Johnson from Tulane uh, and McCade Metower from from uh, Caller, like guys up front that I think are going to start right away for them. Yeah, um, it, they I, they went very quickly to get those guys. It was like, okay, yeah, yeah. need more size up front. You guys are huge. Come on. And and uh, I'm probably botching names here, but they also took a, a defensive line from Hawaii who I think has a chance to to I'm not, I'm not even going to try and say his name Jonah Laulu or something like that. But <laughs> um, uh, this this is a problem, Andy. I like I manage these spreadsheets all, but I don't actually know their names. That's that's not great. Well, it's 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 hard. There's a lot of players, <laughs> and yeah, I, you know, you I do not expect you to be an expert on Hawaii's too deep. I really don't. I so. I should be because Hawaii did provide a lot of football players <laughs> to other schools this off season. Um, yeah, for, well, the, the, for various the, reasons, the um, Todd the the Todd Graham experiment that failed mid last season probably had a lot to do with that. It did. Um, but Oklahoma also added, you know, they lost some, some big names at receiver, but I think um, LV Bunkley Shelton from Arizona state and JJ Hester from, from Missouri are two guys they really needed. And, and they, they landed those um, kind of post spring. Um, I, I think they've done, done a really good job of, uh, of, of kind of solving the needs. I think the thing with them is just sort of backup quarterback and they brought in Davis bevel from, from Pitt to hopefully kind of solve that. But yeah, um, you know, that would be one of those, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sort of have uh, as we saw with Baylor, like it's hard to have a pretty crowded room and just hold on to three, four guys that that you think can play other places. Let's talk about the the teams that that lost the most. Arizona State is one. You know, West Virginia, I, I think, was extremely frustrated when Akeem Mesador yeah. entered the portal and and then he hit headed to Miami. That is kind of a continuation of. It wasn't so much that West Virginia lost so much this year, but continued a theme from from last year where it felt like anybody who contributed decently on defense was was plucked away. 
Yeah, yeah, they're, they've been hit kind of hard, especially on defense in the portal the past uh, two years here. And, you know, in some cases, I think that there's players that and you, you sort of track where players end up to. And, and there's not a ton of guys this year that West Virginia lost other than, um, you know, Mesador and, and Daryl Porter going to Miami. Um, interested to see sort of how they perform there. Mesador is, I think, a really talented player um, and, and a hard guy to just you know, snap your fingers and replace. But um, I, you know, West Virginia was able to go out and pick up a bunch of players from the portal as well to replace mm-hmm. them. And, yep. you know, I, I think they're in a, in a pretty important year here and um, you know, they've got other options at QB too, but I, I think they really need Daniels to hit. And I think if he, yep. if he does um, that's kind of the thing that's been missing is they've, they've, they've played pretty good defense in the big 12, but offensively um, with, with, with Jared Dagey, it just wasn't working. Well, Speaking of, of quarterbacks named Daniels who transferred, uh, Jaden Daniels left Arizona State, three-year starter. Now, he had regressed. Let, let's be real here. But I was shocked, one, that he put his name in the portal, though I understand that the, with the coaching staff and Flux and the NCAA stuff. but There's, some, there's some, some things going on. Yeah, But then that he wound up at LSU didn't make a lot of sense because it felt like LSU <laughs> had quarterbacks – in in Miles Brennan and in uh, in Nuss in uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, Garrett Nussmeyer who, and, and Walker Howard, who's a and big Walker time. Howard coming as a freshman, exactly. Yeah. So you thought that you know they feel pretty set. So what what are you doing going there? And then Emory Jones, who did need a place to play because he wasn't going to be starting at Florida anymore, he does go to Arizona State, but he will find an Arizona State that is very different. Like the the best receiver he would have played with now catching passes for his old team. Yeah, that's that's right and I mean they they Arizona State lost a bunch this offseason. I, I think they brought in a good running back in Xavier Valade from from Wyoming. I think he has a chance to make an impact for them, but Arizona State was probably one of those where you're just trying to take guys just to to plug the holes that have popped up here. Um and you get why it's happened, but yeah, the, the Emory Jones that move, that's another player where you're you're curious to see sort of can they you know, sort of set up the right system around him to really kind of let him, you know, take that next step in his career after his his one year starting at Florida. He's, um, he's not he be that more different a player stylistically than Daniels. So it feels like they should be able to plug him in and do fairly well. Yeah, and, and Daniels is one where, Jane Daniels is one where, I mean, you kind of assume with a lot of these guys, like they're not going places unless they're getting, you know, pretty good assurances about how it's going to go in the fall. But LSU's one kind of like Auburn or A&M where you're sort of like, how's that one going to play out? You know, because there's just enough good arms in the room. Yeah. And that's what, it doesn't feel like anything was promised to him because. And and, right. And nothing would have seen somebody leave. Somebody else would have left if there had been a a promise made. Well, that, and that was the odd thing is that Miles Brennan went in the portal and threatened to leave and then decided to stay at LSU. But at the end of the day, you know, and, and you could say LSU had a had a pretty solid room with with him, Nussmeyer, and, and Howard, um, but they felt like they needed to get better. And so th- these are the, the kind of decisions. And, and I just personally, I find it interesting that in a lot of cases, like you know, certainly LSU's you know in the mix for big name quarterbacks in the next cycle and all that going forward. But um, you are kind of having to make some pretty big decisions here early on in these tenures in terms of um, how do we want to manage this and like. You got to kind of like in, in Brian Kelly's case, like you're kind of making a decision pretty quickly on like, what do you really think of Nussmeyer, for example? Because yeah. if you're going out and trying to, you know, add somebody else, then, you know, if that guy wins the job, then you kind of have to, you're living in a world now where you sort of assume that people are going to leave your room. Yeah, it, it is going to be absolutely fascinating to see now that these guys have transferred. Now you you can transfer again. We saw it with JC Daniels. We, we've seen it with, with other players. It is, it's a new world. It, it really is. It's it, This is the first real season we've seen of it. Last year, they opened things up, but the movement wasn't the same. This is what it's going to be like until, probably until there's a different governing body and, and rules change a little bit. And, yeah. and we don't know when that's going to be. So this, we, and, this and may we be just, the new normal. We just sort of stripped away the limits in terms of how many transfers you can take, too. So Exactly. <laughs> there's there's um, For anyone that wants to go flip their roster or anyone who feels like Maybe in, in some cases they like there's some of these like whether you're Herm Edwards or um, you know Scott Frost or Jeff Collins where you maybe if you're feeling the pressure and you feel like you got to go do something like you know you're gonna see you're gonna see some of these coaches take a lot of guys in one offseason and and just sort of hope you hit on enough that it can kind of yeah. uh, you know keep you alive here. 
and everybody wants to be Mel Tucker from last year. Yeah. Some of these are going to be abject disasters, though. Some of these flipped rosters are going to be disasters because the chemistry won't work at times. And th there will be ones where, where they obviously do coalesce and they come together and they play well together. But there's just as good of a chance that it doesn't happen that way. So it is going to be. Wait, did we just do this whole thing and not talk about Quinn Ewers? Ari's going to be so. Oh, yeah. OK. <laughs> Have you guys well, heard about this Quinn Ewers? So we did stay to the program <laughs> Texas with Sam Khan the other day. And it's yes. very interesting. Max. Yes, you covered it there. I Well, no, what I said on that episode is I don't even view him as a transfer. Sure. Like, it's almost like he signed, because remember, he came, he came back to the class he was supposed to be in. Basically. Exactly. He was a class yeah. of, he was a class of 22 guy in the first place who was committed to Tom Herman's staff at Texas. Yeah. He then decommits, commits to Ohio State, reclassifies, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. He is a transfer, even though it doesn't feel like it. And they've, Texas is one of those just really interesting ones. I'm sure you guys have hit on it too, but just like that, that's one where they felt like we got to just keep loading up on offense and we just got to score a yeah. lot of points this year. So they took the guys you mentioned from Alabama. I really think if you talk to coaches, in Isaiah the Nair. I, they say Isaiah Nair is just a stud. And then I yeah. think, you know, he's had a little bit of an injury issue early on um, with his hand, but like, I think that's a guy that has a chance to really, you saw it in the spring game, like has a chance to really make a big impact in the big 12. Um, but you, you do wonder just like between Texas's freshman offensive line and all the transfers they're adding on and Bijan and the quarterback situation. Like it's, there's a, with these teams right now, there's just, there's a lot of moving parts and, and you just don't yep. know what it's totally going to look like, uh, you know, even by the end of September. The, the chemistry and, and, and you mentioned, it's interesting. You mentioned end of September, like some of these teams may be very disjointed at first and kind of figure it out as the season goes on too. Just because be, yeah. they're new together. Yeah, or you may, there may be some of these, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is that out of, you know, 2,000 kids that, that hit the portal uh, that had scholarships, um, you know, a, a lot of them end up moving down to lower level stuff. But like these guys that um, made moves, like I think probably all of them assume they're going to be starting this year. And that's just not how it goes. You know, there's going to be, yep. sometimes you're being brought in for competition. Sometimes, the, you know, they're, they're not sure if they're ready to go with the younger guy and then they're going to go to that guy at some point in the season. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be, you're right. The chemistry piece of this just all over the country, um, is going to be pretty, pretty wild to see. And then, you know, you throw, you, you sprinkle a little, uh, NIL money on top of that. And, uh, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, potentially a little bit of volatile. You got a bonfire. It's, That's right. It's, it's going to be fantastic to watch because this is hope springing eternal. You, you notice we were very optimistic for most of this show. We're like, this guy could be great. This guy could be sure. great. This yeah. guy could be great. Oh, we can, so, I can name off a dozen other guys that I'm like, man, I think he's going to have a hell of a year. I mean, there's, there's, it's a really long list this year because as I said, there's a lot of guys that went in the portal since. Yes. August. Well, hope springing eternal right now. Everybody's undefeated. All these folks, everybody's winning the off season you know? stars at their new places. I can't wait for some games to start to see who actually does become a star in a new place because there's a whole lot of movement that we can't even wrap our heads around until we start seeing these guys in new uniforms. So it's coming. It's coming soon. Max Olson, the the portal authority, the uh, the the portal's not closed, but it, it kind of is right now. So I hope you're getting some sleep. Nah, nah. But it's been <laughs> port, at least that piece of the job sleeps. has slowed down a little bit. Yeah, we're portal never sleeps. That's for sure. Max Olson, thank you so much. Thanks, man.